Hey everyone, welcome to the Americana Station Podcast. I am your host, Will Payne Harrison. I am so excited that it's finally spring and that uh, it's not dark at five anymore. That's exciting. So, uh, you know, I, I do hate time change, but uh, just really when we're falling back, I, I love springing forward. I love the, the birds are chirping today here in Nashville. They're excited about spring. Uh, COVID numbers are uh, falling. Uh, so that's exciting. People are getting the vaccine. Um, we're seeing a little bit of music here and there starting to pop up uh, for the summer. I saw that uh, Great Peacock uh, is doing a tour, a spring tour with the Cordovas. So get vaccinated so you can check that out because um, those guys are awesome. They're not only just great people, but my God, their music's great. They've been staying in the top 10 on the Americana charts for like forever forever ever um and andrew promised me as soon as they get to the ryman um that uh, I, I have written proof as soon as they get to the ryman that i get a backstage pass so um go support them get them to the ryman <laughs> so i can go backstage and watch them and uh yeah i also excited because i have eric bolander we actually did this podcast months ago so it might sound a little bit dated i'm sorry for that um had a lot of content to put out, but Eric has a new video that is out now, um, and he's working towards a new record, and I wanted to get the word out about that. Eric is such a great guy, too, just an amazing songwriter person and uh, just a pleasure to speak with. One of, the, one of the most fun people to interview, honestly, because you can just sit back and, and he'll you know, he knows how to, he knows how to talk. He knows what to say. And, uh, it's just a great interview. So I'm excited for you to hear that. Uh, I'm also excited. It's just, this is just the day of excitement. Spring is in the air. I'm happy. I'm also excited, uh, to announce a few more people that are coming on the podcast. Um, Arch Nemesis, uh, Kyle Crownover from <laughs> Kikers and Ferg number two podcast will be on the podcast, uh, the number one podcast here, um, in a couple of weeks, he has a new EP, Another Day in Our 20s, which is phenomenal. Make sure you go to Americana Highways uh, because I did a review of his new EP and uh, check that out. Uh, make sure that you donate to Americana Highways. I don't know if you know, but I am a little associated with them. You know, I do some playlists, which I'm about to update here today. Uh, I do some reviews for them. They're wonderful people. Melissa's amazing. Um, so go support Americana Highways. Uh, so that people like that are on the podcast can have a place and a platform um, to get their music out other than just this podcast. Uh, we need more stuff like that. And Americana Highways is amazing. They're a nonprofit. They're not taking any money. So uh, any donation you give them uh, really helps them keep the Wi-Fi on, the lights on, and the website up. Um, and in that same vein, I also... <laughs> am a nonprofit, not in the sense that I'm registered that way. I just haven't made any money off this podcast. I'm doing it out of the kindness of my heart because I love these musicians and I believe in them. Um, and it is, it's, it's, you know, it's not a, a high stakes thing for me. I don't make, I don't have a lot of overhead cost uh, other than hosting and um, just my time invested in this. But if you like the podcast and uh, you want to make it, uh, you know, better, so we can do more stuff. I, I want to work towards, uh, I actually am in talks with a friend to start doing some videos. Um, we're going to do some video series with some of our artists, uh, but that does cost money and time and to expand the podcast and to do more things where we can get more content to you. Uh, we will need to make more money. So 
Uh, with that said, I didn't do a Patreon. I went the Bandcamp route because I'm really wanting to support Bandcamp. I think they're doing great things. Uh, so if you go to willpainharrison.bandcamp.com, uh, there is a VIP where you can get uh, exclusive Bandcamp camp content, uh, including I just did uh, a version of Dublin Blues, uh, Guy Clark song, that's available only on Bandcamp. I'm going to be uploading a, I think it's a 2016 Blue Plate special live with a with a band, with a string band that I did. Uh, I just got to edit it and, and master it. Um, I haven't listened to it in years, so I'm not sure how it sounds. Hopefully it sounds okay, but we'll get some live stuff up on there. Um, but additional to that, we're going to be doing uh, extra podcast content. Um, so I've got a few extra minutes with the rough and tumble, um, with... Uh, Zach Russell and uh, of course Eric Bolander that will be up on there for you to listen to exclusive content that you can only hear on there so if you're a fan of the podcast and you want to get additional content from uh, these artists as well I'll be doing uh, that so that'll be fun and uh, what else will be up on there um, oh I, I just released uh, a Bandcamp exclusive uh, as well of a song called Despite My Sin uh, about my daughter so if you feel like listening to a sad, sappy song about how much I love my daughter, um, that will also be included in your monthly VIP. The donation starts at $5 a month. It's not too much to ask. It's just a cup of coffee, you know? Just when you, when you turn on the podcast, you might have to just make your coffee at home that day. But then you help me out with uh, getting additional content so we can get, uh, you know, videos of Kyle and Zach and Eric and... Um, the rough and tumble and people like that, where you can actually see them perform live uh, in the studio. So let's get that done. Help me out by supporting me at willpainharrison.bandcamp.com. Uh, it's very appreciated. Moving on, um, the, like I said, the we have the Cordovas and Great Pe Peacock are doing a tour this spring. So be sure to check that out. Just uh, Google that. I don't have the uh, website on hand at the moment. But I'm really excited about that. I, I do have a bone to pick with them a little bit, uh, Frank and Andrew and and Blunt. Why are you not coming to Nashville? I just want to know. You're coming to you're coming to Atlanta. Uh, I think you're coming to Lexington. You're going to Cincinnati. You're going to all the places around Nashville. Why are you not coming to Nashville? I think they're waiting for that Ryman show so they can get me backstage. But uh, yeah, make sure that you check them out and uh, get your tickets and be safe. And let's talk to Eric Bolander. The only side to cold mine is the top side. Fresh air, family. You spent your whole life living on. A puff on company strings Take all of your wishes Thoughts and your prayers 
we're here with uh, Eric Bolander. Um, it's been almost two years since the last time he was on the podcast, and I'm happy to have him back. Uh, Eric has some new singles out, and uh, right before the, the Wi-Fi cut out on both of us, we were talking about that. Um, so you've released two singles, and you're about to release a third. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, we released uh, the single Magic Moon back in June. And we released Window uh, early August. And I've got uh, a third single that's going to be on this new record that will come out early 2021. Awesome. And you said you're in the middle of recording a uh, video for it as well. Actually, I'm in the editing process. I directed it. And uh, my good friend, Chris Willer, went with me to do all the footage, do all the filming. And uh, so, yeah, that should be coming out the same time as the single. That's the goal anyway. <laughs> you know how that goes. Yeah, yeah. There's always some sort of hang up in, in the middle of that. <laughs> so how has uh, been pl- show playing been for you in uh, COVID? I know I've seen you play a couple of socially distanced uh, gigs, but how's it been? How's turnout been? Has it been weird for you? Yeah, man, totally weird, uh, obviously, and uh I've been fortunate enough to play some really decent, safely ran, socially distant stuff. Um, but the sad, sad part of it is like 2019, I played a hundred shows, most of which were touring. And uh, I've played, I think eight shows since March 14th, something like that. So it's it, been kind of not counting, not counting any online or live streaming, none of that, but just actual live in front of people. It's been, I think eight You've got me beat. I think I have four. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's tough, you know, and and I'm, and kudos to the venues who are trying to keep things rolling safely as they can. I understand that, you know, this is a very serious uh, medical issue with the pandemic, but also know that the industry is something that's, you know, trying to, um, trying to survive and tread water right now until hopefully a vaccine or whatever the next answer is, to get people moving closer to that normal. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's frustrating, especially when I have this new music to, to get out in front of folks. And, but I have a decent online following and my, my social media followers are, are pretty loyal and keep up with stuff. And, and they've done great keeping up with the live streams and, and my management company, Black Mountain Management, you know, has set us up with some, some cool live stream opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the same, but it's still nice. You know, it's a nice, I guess, consolation prize for 2020. Yeah, correct. Like being able to at least have content and make content. And, you know, you think about the business side of things that us as musicians and songwriters don't, you know, delve into early on in our career, you know, like we probably should. But when you think about that side of things, putting out new content and fresh content and reimagined content is extremely important in growing a fan base. So if anything, I'm a half full kind of guy and 2020 has forced a lot of us to reimagine how we're going to put new content out songs. I'm saying, but you know, like the live stream concerts, cut up, clipped up into songs, new YouTube content, things for Instagram and Facebook and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you're looking at hopefully turning these 
uh, singles eventually into a full length EP. I mean, a full length album uh, in 2021, you were saying earlier. Yeah, that's correct. The goal, the goal is to drop this third single um, in February. Um, and then along with the video and then possibly a fourth, but definitely the full record sometime late summer, early fall of 2021. That's the projection. Yeah. Have you looked at touring at all in 2021 yet? Or are you just kind of, uh, seeing where the wind blows no. you? No pun <laughs> no, intended. Not really, man. I just, you know, like socially did right. <laughs> the socially distanced stuff that I've done has been local and regional. Um, I really just want to see what happens with, you know, kind of these vaccine trials and sort of what other States are doing. Cause every state has, has their regulations and restrictions, but they're all kind of varied. And I'd really just like to be able to have semi of a clear path if I'm going to try to tour at all, you know, cause I, I tour quite a bit. I mean, even though I'm a teacher too, like, you know, it's kind of two jobs basically. Um, but for me, you know, I've, I've been out to Texas and Denver and all the Midwest, a bunch and down to Florida and up in Ohio and Northern West Virginia and stuff like that. But I really, you know, I really don't want to try to jump out too far because on one end, you know, the, the pandemic's still going on. And on the other side of things, I think a lot of venues and, and types of places that we play are trying to help their local and regional artists out. So I feel like, you know, a lot of places want to, you know, help hold up their local folks too. So, I mean, I'm just going to try to like find some social distancing stuff here in the region and do some, you know, more content and online live streams here and there and just to see what, what we can do. Yeah. And a lot of stages are hurting, you know, with the save our stages uh, kind of thing going on right now. I know I'm doing like one of those online. Exactly. Uh, events for Southgate House Revival, which I know you've also played as well. Um, and they're kind of struggling. Right yeah, now. yeah. I love Morella. She's great. Yeah. Yeah. Morella's awesome. She, Southgate. She's, she's a beautiful person, man. She's great. And she's hit me up and helped me out a bunch and it's made me feel at home up there. And that's, you know, that's basically Cincinnati pretty much. And they, she's treated me like, like a local up there, you know, and it's, it's about an hour and 20 minutes North of Lexington. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they're struggling right now because they're a nonprofit. And like you said, she's always Absolutely. hooked me up way more than she should, you know, and been so kind. And so we need to save those kind of places that you don't, what would we do uh, 100%. if we didn't places like that? <laughs> we wouldn't play, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, nothing against the really big artists either because they have crews and they have people, you know, they have mouths to feed too. Um, but I think the smaller local venues are so important to where, you know, if they and start falling by the wayside, it's going to, it's going to harm the next 10, 15, 20 years of, of young aspiring artists as well. For sure. Yeah. I agree with that a hundred percent. It's, it's such a weird, yeah, it's a weird thing. And some places, I don't know how it is in Kentucky, but uh, some places in Nashville have been acting like uh, nothing's happening and trying to just have regular shows. But um, a lot of the yeah the people in town, a lot of people just are not playing. Uh, some people are, but yeah, it's just, it's a mixed bag. And, and 
I, I just don't want to get in the way personally of um, harming anyone. So I've just kind of thrown 2020 out the window and I'll see what 2021 holds as far as playing music. But yeah, it's, it's an sure. interesting time here in Nashville for sure. Oh, I bet, you know, and it's funny with Nashville, you kind of have two, two separate sort of parts of the industry too. You have, you know, of course, Broadway, a lot of artists that are out playing for all the tourists, you know, that aren't there right now. And then you've got sort of East Nashville with, with kind of the really cool venues that are out there and stuff that are, you know, it's hard for them probably too to, to hold shows, you know, like the five spot and, yeah, and, um, D's and you know several of the other small places out through there that are awesome venues you know it's it, it sucks all around and I mean obviously there's the government and political aspect and all the other things that I don't really care to talk about but <laughs> but just in general for the industry I hope you know I hope that we can uh, really work together to to get to some kind of light at the end of the tunnel yeah I just don't think it's going to happen this winter yeah so, um, what we do want to talk about is your singles. Um, I've heard window. I'm not sure that I've heard magic moon. That one, I just came out recently, right? Right on. Yeah. Well, magic moon came out in the summer, but oh. window, we had, we had more push behind window as far as PR goes. Okay. Um, so is, is there a theme to these songs that are coming out? Oh man. <laughs> Uh, as you know, just like any artist, you know, I'll be weird and complicated with my answer. Um, <laughs> you know, how that goes. You're a songwriter. Um, man, they're each, I, the way I look when I saw, when I write songs, really, especially my last full length that we re-released in 2019, those songs and, and forward, I, I really think of them as a chapter, you know? as opposed yeah. to a page in terms of analogy, you know, I think of a song as its own chapter and it's connected because they're all in the same book, but it's, there's definitely, you know, some of them are completely different storylines and then some of them are, you know, um, some kind of parallel to the other storylines and there might be one or two that's a continuation, you know, of a certain idea, but, you know, in general, <clears throat> there's going to be, kind of a lot of different different things going on with these songs. But at the end of the day, I think hope and perseverance is always kind of an underlying theme in almost all of my music that I write. Yeah. Um, did you use the same musicians from the last record on this one? Yeah, so my core is my, my trios, obviously myself on guitars and Seth Murphy is on cello and bass and Ben Caldwell's on drums and backing vocals. And then we have kind of a fourth unofficial member, John Ferguson, <clears throat> who um, who's sang backing vocals on every record I've done since I was in my metal band years ago. <laughs> so he's, he's been a good friend of mine. Used to be a, used to be a neighbor of my wife and I, and um, he's, he's really strong musician. He plays keys and some bass and some guitars. And he played on one of our, he played on our management showcase show oh, just cool. a couple months ago. Um, so it's great when I get a chance to get him to play live with us, but he's on the record as well. 
um, singing backup with along with Ben. Um, uh, but yeah, we've we've done all the instrumentation, and of course, Dwayne Lundy's my producer and and the engineer at uh, the Lexington Recording Company, <clears throat> and he does some stuff too, like some sounds and I don't know what you I'd call them soundscapes, I guess, but you know, <laughs> you know, just some of the filler stuff. Yeah, you've been in the studio plenty of times. You know how that is. Like some things that are like bells and sonically needed. You know, some padding. Yeah, exactly. Bells and whistle. So he he definitely has contributed um, to the the sonic quality of the song just as much as the rest of us to a, to a degree. That's awesome. Um, did you have you done a lot of songwriting since you've had more downtime uh, the last six months or so? Um, are you looking towards? Yeah, future I, yeah, projects? totally. I've I've written probably. Yeah, totally. Three three of the songs going on this upcoming record has have been written um, this year during the pandemic. Um, I've got three or four unfinished um, parts and pieces of songs that that need worked on as well from this year. Um, I'm also on working on a, a visual art project where I'm dig- digitally illustrating every song I've written. So I've got about eight of those finished as well. My goal is to eventually have a a show to where it's a sort of an artist gallery opening slash concert where you That's come awesome. out and you'll see like the designs I'm working on. And I haven't really put much out. I put a couple like kind of zoomed in sneak peeks of them on my Instagram, but I don't want to. I really don't want to put them out until I'm ready to actually launch that show. So that got put on hold. I was actually going to finish the wind album, which is 10 songs, nine songs, technically, um, because we did one, two different versions. But anyway, I was going to do those artworks along with a couple other things and have a show here in Kentucky to where it was like, you know, a small crowd and things like that. But then obviously that got, that got pushed, pushed out of the calendar just due to everything going on. But now my, my goal is to actually illustrate every single song and we'll see how far I get. But, you know, I, I spend several hours on them. They're, um, they're very much, uh, cause I do graphic design as well. And they're yeah. very much geared around the idea of a, of a show poster, but, but not the name and, and dates and all that, that would go along with the show poster. Just kind of the idea each song would be its own sort of kind of, kind of show poster illustration the artwork that you have so far for these singles, I just love the colors and the design. It's super awesome. I love that uh, it's kind of reminiscent of uh, the cover of The Wind as well. It's got the same font and all that stuff. Uh, Did you design all of those? Yeah. Awesome. No, actually. Oh, you did? There's a a slow delay. I've separated myself. Oh, okay. Sorry. Are we back? Maybe. Oh no! When when I asked the question, you said yeah because there was a delay, but then you said no. <laughs> oh, gotcha. <Yeah. laughs> um, so those artworks are done by a good buddy of mine. So what what I've basically done since we redid the wind is separate myself, my visual art part of myself, and my mu- musical part of myself because you get so invested that it just is too much. So Jimbo Valentine is an amazing artist. Um, his uh, artist company is called Amalgam Unlimited. 
Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> he's done designs for Tyler Childers, Arlen McKinley, and and a slew of other artists. He's the main graphic designer or the sole graphic designer for the V Club in Huntington, West Virginia. Yeah. He does all other show posters, and he has for uh, quite a while, several years. Um, so I had him do a logo and then had him do the wind album cover. And now he's taken over all of my solo artwork and the next record album cover as well. It's killer. Um, some people might recognize his work as the backdrop on Tyler Childers tour in 2019. Uh, there's like a three eyed goat and it's like sun setting in a big barn in a field. That's, that's Jimbo's artwork. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah, this is it's great. I love the colors. Yeah, it, he's incredible, man. It almost has like uh, the the magic moon one. Almost has this like uh, Grateful Dead like uh, black light kind of vibe to it. <laughs> Super cool. Oh yeah, totally, man. He it's real bright and kind of like real funky looking colors, but also there's a there's sort of this dark element to it, like mysterious element to his stuff, which I love, you know, and. For me, it's great because I'd done prior to hiring him, meeting him and hiring him and just becoming friends with him. I, I'd done all my own stuff and I still occasionally do some stuff. But man, it's such a like a uh, like a deep breath of, of sort of like relief when you can put that out to somebody else that you trust and they give you back something where you're like, oh, man. And of course, I might ask for a couple small little tweaks or edits, but it's so good right out of the gate that it it takes that extra step of putting out music out of my sort of my hands and off my lap to where I'm not worried about it, you know? Yeah. I would not just the time commitment to doing artwork. It's, it's also the, the emotional and like mental focus that you put into it. That's gone for me now. Like I can, just put all my effort into like right now I'm editing this film. I've got time to do that. I wouldn't do that if I was busy touring, you know what I mean? That's something I wouldn't take on. Right. So I have time to do that and write songs and get in the studio all the while Jimbo, you know, I'll send him my idea and what I need. And, and, you know, he's working on that while I'm working on all the other stuff. Yeah. I would almost equate it to maybe uh, giving up, all the engineering because I, I i do a lot of my own recording but giving up the engineering to someone else you know like now i can just worry on the songs sure. and singing them and playing them and not mixing and mastering and all that other crap yeah I, that totally makes sense to me for sure absolutely man and that's like with my rock and roll band Alcatraz shakedown our lead guitarist our first record we tracked my my house and you know he engineered and mixed all of it and it was just it wore him down, you know, I couldn't imagine I've never done it. And I'm thankful because it's like, you know, I get to go into the studio and have that person who's, you know, like Dwayne Lundy, who's done the last couple of records of mine is like, it's very, uh, very relaxed. And it's just about you and your performance and producing it and like piecing it together. And uh, yeah, early on, I think it's good for folks to, to do a lot of all of it, you know, Cause then you gain some appreciation and respect for what, what it takes. I agree with that a hundred percent. Yeah. And I think that uh, some of it really just is like you were saying, like the, the relaxation and, and not having mental space to create more stuff, because if you're doing too much, like if you're doing your artwork and you're 
writing and you're booking your own tours and you're doing all this stuff, then something's got to give, you know, and there's not as much space for maybe some other creative outlets that you're trying to do. Yeah, totally. And, and on top of that, you know, our goal may not necessarily be to become the next Chris Stapleton and be huge and famous or anything, but it's also our goal is definitely as a performer is to build our fan base, which comes with what comes with that is like more booking, more management type business type things, uh, merch sales and like all these other things get bigger within themselves. So you go from, you know, playing clubs for 50 bucks, you know, to two people to like maybe, you know, playing like pretty decent festivals. And so now I've got, you know, of course I'm with black management or black mountain management and Tiffany Finley's our manager. And, and I have some folks that help out in the region with merch sales when we do play shows. And I've had that for the last, you know, year and a half or so. And like, man, all that stuff is just a humongous help to like not only just grow what you're doing, but also just the general function of having a band, you know, it's really, it's really great to be able to trust some people outside yourself. Cause especially from a singer songwriter's perspective, you are so attached to what you're doing. It's like this little, this little thing that you're raising, <laughs> you know, it's a little animal. You, it's hard to like, leave it, leave it to a babysitter for a while kind of thing, you know? Yeah. I, that makes a lot of sense. And also like, uh, there's just something about like the artist shouldn't be capitalizing. I mean, we have to, you have to, when you're starting out, you just don't have the people uh, to not do that, but mm-hmm. you shouldn't be the one that is like over there running the merch sales. You shouldn't be doing that. Like that shouldn't, you know, you should be out there right. talking to people and shaking hands and, you know, drinking beers with people and enjoying yourself after you just, cause you just worked, you were just on the stage for an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah, totally, man. And it's, you know, it's funny is like, you know, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty simple, humble dude, honestly, man. It still kind of surprises the hell out of me when somebody asks for an autograph, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, but I've also learned over the years that man, people, cause I was a music fan. I still am, but I was a huge music fan before even picking up a guitar. So for me, I understand that. And I'm starting to get back to that point to where it's like, man, these people just drove three hours to watch me play for an hour. You know, of course, you know, I'm going to, I want to spend time. Obviously it's a little different nowadays with the pandemic, but nonetheless, like, yeah, I'm going to spend some time saying, Hey, or just chatting with them or sharing a story or listening to their story or doing an, you know, an autograph or a picture but having somebody already there helping me sell merch, you know what I mean? Or, or helping me figure out whatever else, you know, a lot of times if we're at a real busy show, um, you know, pre pandemic, my bandmates will help load stuff up while I'm talking to some people, you know, four or five people come over to say hi or get a picture or whatever. And, and that's like this humongous help, you know, that you didn't have two, three, four years ago. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely is. It's part of it's part of that that you don't really learn about. I guess you just kind of you don't realize what, you don't realize what it takes and what's going on. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's 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 pretty interesting. Well, like you said, you know, you were a music you were a music fan before you even picked up a guitar. So, like understanding that, like what the fan wants, is an important thing too. And like you have that 
uh, empathy of like, okay, this, this fan just wants a moment of my time. I've touched them in some way uh, that I didn't even know I touched them in. Now they just want to share with me because they feel connected and not giving them that time because you have to load up or you have to, you know, go check on merch or you have to, you know, whatever you have to do. It definitely takes away from what the whole purpose of what we're doing, you know, which is connecting with fans. Totally. Absolutely. hundred percent, man. That's hundred percent accurate. And it's I always wondered, you know, like artists that I would see at clubs like Bogarts in Cincinnati, where it's like, I don't know, 1400 cap or something, 1500 cap maybe, or, you know, not huge rooms be like a metal show I'd go to in like the late nineties, early two thousands. And I just always wondered things like, why is it taking them so long to come out and talk to us? Or, you know, like, you know, I was a kid, you know, I didn't know how, how that kind of stuff worked, but yeah. you know, those dudes were probably loading their own gear into the van you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, or, or whatever, you know, it's like, you think I always laugh cause there's this meme where it's, you know, the, the whole, my friends think, this is what my friends think this is what my mom thinks yeah. society thinks. this is what really happens. Kind of memes. The one about being a touring musician, it's just like a picture of a, of a loves truck stop and a, <laughs> like a, an interstate, like with flat roads. Like, I don't know, a van with, a, you know, a flat tire, that kind of stuff. It's like, it's totally true as you think all this, you know, the <laughs> sex drugs and rock and roll type thing. It's just like, it's so far from the truth. I know because you're so busy doing all the things, you know, (laughs) I saw one that was like uh, a pandemic one, and it was like, I missed touring so much. So I just grabbed something that weighed 150 pounds, carried it up two flights of stairs and then back down and then, you know, put myself inside (laughs) a cabinet for an hour and a half. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly What it's like. I just took a nap in my car so I could feel like I was out on the road. Right. Yeah. Just go three days without without a, a good shower or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I'll just live on three hours of sleep and, you know, a Coke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I left my house with a cab, you know, cupboard full of food. Just like so go to the gas station, get a beef jerky. <laughs> yeah. so I feel like I'm on the road, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I miss it. I mean, I did, did travel quite a bit and, and when I can, you know, so I do have a full-time job too, but, you know, the fortunate thing for me as a working musician is that I do have a full-time job. So financially, I was not strapped like a lot of my friends were. And I, you know, I feel for all my buds that are out there that, that you know, are really have been scrambling for eight months trying to figure out how to pay the rent and like, you know, unemployment went away for them. And just, yeah, it's a struggle, man. Yeah, and it's not getting any easier, especially with the um, all the, the unemployment oh, no. benefits going away. So it's it's definitely, and it's not like just because the unemployment benefits went away that you know now there's work, there's not work, and yeah, your problems didn't go away with it, right? Yeah, yeah, so, totally. So that's why I think it's so important for these venues and things to keep going as safely as possible. I get it. I mean, ideally, we all just not do anything we would just do this we'd zoom you know meet and play live streams but at the end of the day you know you have folks that have you know a couple thousand dollars a month in bills that you know even if they're sharing that with their significant other that's a lot of money to come up with when you you went 
completely jobless basically overnight. So uh, there's places that are doing it really well. For example, the Burl here in Lexington, Kentucky, uh, they're doing parking lot shows, which eventually is going to go away just because of the, the weather. But yeah. they're setting up tables. They're spaced out. You have to be with your group. You have to wear a mask. And you take it off and you sit down. Um, they're they're being very, very conscientious about it. I can't remember if you get your temperature checked there, but there's some other places where they'll do a temperature check at the entry. Um, we played a, played a festival in Somerset. Um what was it called? Moonlight Festival. And they had the, so the whole town was shut down. They had like five points of entry. You had to get your temperature checked and put down a phone number or email with your name for contact tracing. I thought that was oh, that's awesome. a pretty good compromise. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's up to people to follow along for the regulations and, you know, not everybody's wearing their mask and that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, I think it's a great compromise when, when you're asking folks to at least be part of the process. Um, yeah. We did our black management, uh, black mountain management uh, showcase with us and then Nashville guys, DOG. And uh, it was going to be Nick Jamerson, but he actually had a, an issue and uh, the brother Smith filled in. But anyway, when we had that, that's it. Uh, John Grace is running that down in Pineville, Kentucky. And it's uh, at Laurel Cove, uh, national park and it's amazing it's beautiful outdoor amphitheater and uh they were doing the same thing of um spacing out wear your mask when you move around so it seats oh i can't remember it's 300 and some at the limited like capacity i think it seats well over a thousand something like that yeah so they were spaced out and there's people in these little pods um, they did a really good job with it and the stage is it's actually kind of cool is this little moat in front of his little like body of water in front of it. So you're the stage is quite a ways from the front row. So the artists are kind of out there on their own. Yeah. Away from folks. So the only one, a great job. I'm just trying to think of places that are doing a great job. Of, yeah. The, there was one in Georgia that we did. Uh, I did with <coughs> Jess Chicoy and it was, um, Eddie Owen presents uh, the Red Clay Music Foundry and they were doing socially distanced ones and they were like, hey, we're, you know, capping out at 35 or whatever. And I was like, that's okay. That's a regular show for me. <laughs> but, you know, it's hey, like man. 150. Shoot, if I'm out of town, I get 30 people show up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, they were doing the same thing. They're doing it, streaming it online as well at the same time because they have nice cameras and stuff. And uh, yeah. it's a theater, but they had everyone spaced out like nice and far. And it just yeah. it felt good to feel like you're playing a regular show, but also being like, yeah, socially conscious of what's totally, going on. Totally, man. We just played, uh, me and my drummer did a duo show with uh, a cool duo, bluegrass folk duo here in, in Kentucky called Grits and Soul at a place called The Venue in Moorhead, Kentucky. And it's an old movie theater. They redid as a music venue. Yeah. But yeah, they, they took out a bunch of their tables and everything's like spaced out. Um, I think was, oh gosh, I can't remember the max, 60 people max. There might've been 40 some people there. Um, felt really good and safe and everybody spaced out, had their own, their own area, their own table. Um, I mean, places like that are really doing a good job. I was at the Hi-Fi in Indianapolis, which is a really cool club and their back parking lot. They basically, took a Connex box and turned it into a stage in a small little green room and 
we went up or I went up there with uh, my cello player, Seth, and we opened up for Arlo McKinley and uh, Rich yeah. Anderson was on the bill as well. And they did, they did a pretty good job too of, of, of spacing people out and things like that. But. That's awesome. That, uh, that is happening at least somewhat in Kentucky and, uh, they're doing some of that, like a uh, city winery here is doing some outside shows, uh, socially distanced and, you know, they've been doing pretty well with that. Um, but yeah, it's in D's D's has been doing the, uh, temperature check. We were talking about D's earlier and they were only allowing, oh, okay, cool. Like, and they never charged, they never charged before for tickets, but now they're charging, I think just to kind of keep, like they know, you know, we can only have 25 oh, people yeah, in here. So. They're probably trying to be able to pay the band while make a little bit of money, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there are some yeah, venues. Well, I mean, there's things. some places like there's a venue that I book. I'm actually the booking agent for a downtown venue in Lexington called Elixir. Um, but they're a restaurant as well. And they do brunch on weekends and they just, we're just doing live music on Friday night and they do like a DJ on Saturday. Um, I think they can only seat up to 60. You know, they're actually 200 person cap. So just a matter of, you know, trying to get people in, sit down and then, you know, buy some drinks and food and check out some music. Um, hopefully that, <clears throat> you know, once things get back to semi fully open and I'll be able to put some pretty cool bands in there, man, you'll have to hit me up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Try to get in there. Yeah, I'm be cool. I'm just waiting for spring of next year and hoping because uh you know we me and veronica stanton were uh we had about i think three or four weeks of tours uh in the spring and summer and um i had some stuff with the rail brothers and it all just got it got it just got killed and um i we were able to salvage the uh, yeah. Pennsylvania dates for april of next year but we were it was kind of like a i think i hope uh, let's talk in January kind of thing, you know, and yeah, it's, it's just been a right. mess. So I'm hoping for, for me, I had, I had stuff booked out because, you know, booking goes three to six months out. Right. A lot of folks, just fans of music listening to this might not know that. Or more. I didn't know that. Surely didn't know that until I was well into playing music. You know, three to six months is your typical booking window just in general for small time touring. And then you got music festivals that can be upwards of a year. Yeah. You know, out. So I had, I had weekends and like a 10 date tour with my trio in April and just about every weekend up through middle of June booked. And I had three pretty awesome music festivals booked in late summer when all this hit. So the high, like hindsight, I'm glad I didn't have my summer booked yet when it came middle of March, because that's when usually I get all that set up to like early June. And then I book my summer and my summers where I do like, Oh, I don't know. 2019. I think I did 45 shows in June through mid to August. Oof. So for me, I was semi-lucky, I guess, glass half full again, you know? Yeah. You, <laughs> I'm just glad it wasn't. Like, if it was if it was literally April 14th when kind of this stuff happened, I would have probably had my entire summer booked. Yeah. And, you know, for me, I'm just like, well, 
it sucks I lost all those shows, but it's also, it would have sucked even worse if I had to do like, <laughs> if I had to like figure that out for twice as many shows. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's frustrating, but what can you do? Everybody's going through it, you know? It was weird too, because some people would just like cancel the show, but not message us, you know? And then some people would be very, very communicative about it. That's like, disappointing. Yeah, I had a few that just like, it was like, this show's been canceled. No email. I email them, hey, is this canceled? No email. <laughs> like, so yeah, it, yeah. It, it's a mixed bag of uh, communication. And yeah, it's. Such yeah, I think some some folks that do the booking for places, they, they just kind of assume that the artist is paying attention to their social, their social media, you know, places and their yeah. website and stuff, you know. <laughs> It's like, dude, what? No, we're not. Do that for fifty different places, you know. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You just get the the <laughs> event invite link says canceled, and you're like, oh, okay. That's yeah, cool. yeah. <laughs> Makes man, sense. I uh, kind of I don't want to dive too far into that, but you definitely have a, a a mental list of places you don't contact again <laughs> just oh, for those types of reasons you know for sure yeah I, you know like i immediately thought yeah. of a i'm a person i personally believe in yeah right oh we both <laughs> did probably yeah but i personally and this is my advice to any young aspiring musician trying to tour and things don't burn a bridge i absolutely don't burn a bridge but you can make a note of what bridge not to go back to yeah. you know what i mean and i think I think I've seen artists do that and at their own detriment for me, you know, I think you should just draw a line of sand. If, if there's a promoter or venue that's, you know, homophobic or racist or, or, or just, you know, sexually harassing a band member, things like that, obviously burn the bridge, maybe put them on blast. If that's something you, you want to do, you feel like would be helpful. Cool. But if it's just a squabble of money or time slot or, you know, the lack of any kind of hospitality or just things like that. Or you show up to a place and the bartender doesn't even know they're having live music that night. Clearly that wasn't your fault. Like things like that. Don't, yeah. don't put them on blast. Just don't go back. I always know? just think, check your ego at the door. You know, like none of us are there you go at a level that we deserve anything. There you go. And we should all be grateful. That yeah. We, and, and people that are at the level that deserve it shouldn't be that way either. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know? Well, Eric, thanks so much for uh, taking the time out to uh, be on the podcast again. Uh, you're only the second guest I've ever had twice. Man. I appreciate you. And um, all right. All right. Well, that's a big honor. Yeah. <laughs> you got a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people to go through, I'm sure, man. Right, yeah, but I well, you thanks again to- for having me, and hopefully we can we can line up a show in 2021 together. Uh, let's make it happen. <laughs> we'll just play on your front porch and just people <laughs> drive by and list us. I- I'm all for it. We'll we'll, we'll get that worked out. <laughs> all right, man. Thanks so much. <laughs> awesome.
Well, thanks so much for tuning in today to Americana Station Podcast. Make sure you check out Eric Bolander's new single, Cold Men, as well as the video for it, uh, which is available now. Uh, and if you want to hear additional content, we have about 20 more minutes of additional content uh, that will be available on my Bandcamp for the VIP members. So go check that out. $5 a month gets you additional content, including Rough and Tumble, Eric Bolander, and uh, Zach Russell as well. So check that out and we'll have more additional content. Stay tuned because up next on the podcast, we have Crown Over. And we also have, uh, let's see, DL Rossi is coming on and we have the Sweet Lilies confirmed as well. There's more people in the pipeline. So click follow, like, and uh, like I said, rate and review. Stay tuned for more. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much. I'm Will Payne Harrison.